Hi everyone and welcome back to From the Bar. As always, this is Ife. And this is Olamide. So today, as you guys already know, this is our fit and proper episode, also known as Law School Tips and Tricks or otherwise... Road to Esquire. Exactly. The road to becoming an Esquire. The road to becoming the law. <laughs> now, before we get into that, I'm going to ask Olamide what happened to him this week in court. So, how far? Well, I, I, I think I had a pretty decent week in court. Uh, although I was out of jurisdiction, I was in Ibadan. Guys, you know that Olamide is the out of jurisdiction lawyer. So anything, police, EFCC, Ibadan, Abeokuta, you find Olamide there. Please don't solicit on my behalf. Oh. <laughs> but Sorry, <laughs> I'm not speaking against the RPC rules, you know. So um, something remarkable happened in court. It, it, it just made me think of how judges can be sometimes. So uh, there was this lawyer who had asked for a date for trial and the judge, she suggested a date to the judge, telling, explaining to the judge that she has another matter before the judge that day. She comes from Lagos, so she would like for the two matters to come up on the same day, which in my opinion was reasonable. And the judge just went off and said, you don't dictate to the court, it's the court that would give you the date that is convenient to the court. I said this was inconvenient give the lawyer another date about 20 minutes later or 20 minutes is even too long i think it was about 10 minutes later another lawyer asked for a date and the same judge suggested the date that said she said wasn't convenient to the court to this lawyer and i'm like ah, there was really no need to have done that uh, why are you blaming hot and cold you know i always say that uh, and I think this feeds into this episode very well, that judges are like lecturers, right? So the same way that your lecturers have different personalities, different eccentricities, you know, some people, they want you to interact with their class, some people, they'll ask questions, some people, they just want you to be silent from beginning to end, some people, A is for God, B is for them, whereas some... Now, wow, A is for God, <laughs> God, they write the exam. <laughs> whereas some, you know, they're gentle, they're guiding you. It's the same thing with judges, right? So... For some of them, they're descending into the arena, they're guiding you. For others, if you don't have your ducks in a row and you're in front of them, just be ready for disgrace. Some want you to adumbrate, some want you to just get to the point and adopt your motion. So yeah. you need to know your judges. So every time I'm before a judge, I can't lie, I just mentally catalog their personality. Yeah, and know, the way they like their court to run, the way they sit, when they sit, it makes your life easier. You know, you know the thing is, Generally, the Court of Appeal, everyone has this opinion of the Court of Appeal that the Court of Appeal doesn't... It's not a court that you go to and you waste time. Ah, because I feel judges don't take nonsense. So. so, one of my seniors was telling me something that happened to him in court. That he was at the Court of Appeal. So, he had a motion to regularize. Usually, they will tell you to move in terms of your motion. And that is, it tells um, the court... Um, we have a motion to regularize the late filing of our brief. This is dated this date, and he wanted to move in terms. And the judge said, one of the justices, rather, of the Court of Appeal told him, Counsel, move your application. It's like, my lord, we beg to move in terms. He said, No, move your application. And at that point in time, I was like, Ah, what? Wow. Has that ever <laughs> happened to you that you were trying to like, move in terms and they said, please, I don't break. And it says, like, it didn't even go through the motion to even get the, like, 
exact details of the motion do you understand so he now had to start flipping through flipping through and like but in the end he was able to move the well moving the application was not a problem it was just familiarizing himself with the application at that time that was um, a bit of an issue but if how was your week in court so my week in court was fine no? but again guys just notes that's why you need to read your files which is like what we said i think it was last week my week in court court wise attendance wise was fine but i had one or two interesting circumstances and what happens now ever since we started this podcast when i'm recording with um olamde i'll text him when something happens i'm like olamde i have my thing for this week now so the first thing that happened was so olamde and i had already said in the i think it was the first episode that we do a lot of garnishy and mariva work um fortunately or unfortunately you can decide and it can be its own episode because there's a lot that goes into that. Oh. But so it was a Mareva and I'd already spoken to the plaintiff's counsel ahead and he had actually told me he was holding someone's brief. So it wasn't even his case. So it then becomes time for him to address the court. And he's saying, oh, I want to discharge bank A, B and C and I want to make it absolute against bank Z to so and so amount. And I'm looking at myself, ah, is this not a Mareva I'm here for? Is <laughs> Does my affidavit not say order of interim injunction so i'm looking around i'm wondering no one's saying anything so i get up really slowly and it's again it's the thing we're saying about judges right judges have different temperaments and i'm a bit shy because i'm hoping it's not a judge that is about to disgrace me and then i say my lord it's my understanding that this is a mareva and all the lawyers in the matter around me, because again, if you go for a garnish or mareva there's like 20 lawyers there <laughs> for that matter by the time my dog everybody's giving me stink eye and I'm whispering to them, what's the matter? And they're like, oh, the court should just discharge us. And I'm like, this doesn't affect your discharge. And so the court then says, oh, really, is it Mareva? And then Nas says, ah, lawyers, you want to waylay me? He thanks me. He addresses plaintiff's counsel. They sort themselves out. And then when I'm going, one senior, older lawyer, rather, then comes up to me and is like, it's not, it's not necessary to say everything. you know." And I'm like, but they were going to make it absolute against the bank. And he was like, eh, it's not really an absolute because they Mareva. And I was like, no. Because doing work for banks and also doing lots of garnishy work, I understand that an other absolute is not beans. Bro, trying to set aside an other absolute, even, even when one it, given by mistake, it's it's actually hell. Because there are sometimes some judges will tell you that they don't have the powers to set it aside that you have to appeal. Exactly. So it's just very unnecessary. And at the end of the day, I mean, there's an there's supposed to be an ethics amongst us at the bar, right? If I see something is going wrong, as a minister of the temple of justice, guys, I have to say something. Oh, honorable minister. Exactly. <laughs> ah, maybe you are speaking into my future. But then the other thing, just really quickly, was so I was at the federal court again because I'm, you know, federal court, madam, clearly. And I was one of those judges that sits at like 9 a.m. If you go out to federal court, you know those those particular judges. And I was sitting right at the back. And there was someone right in front of me. Funny enough, he was in the same matter I was. And he had saved a seat beside him for his colleague. Then someone now walks in and wants to sit on that seat. And the guy's like, I know that I've saved this for my colleague. And the one that came in late is now shouting. He's now like, ah, my colleague is not here then. When he comes, I'll get, I'll get up. So he sits down. So the person that he sat down there now says, but he's coming any moment. And the guy's like, no, I'm not getting up. And that's how they start like going back and forth. And they are really loud. <laughs> and the rest of us around, uh, I, I was looking very afraid. Because before my lunch was out here. So that's how they go back and forth. So eventually we managed to like quiet them down. And then like five minutes later, <laughs> in a different section of the court, also still towards the back. Another oh, argument good. erupts about seats and saving seats. 
And I kid you know, I just messaged Olamide. I said, Olamide, people in this people in this Nigeria are frustrated. No, people are actually frustrated because I can imagine, although I've had instances in court, particularly the federal high court, because the courtrooms are quite small, where senior lawyers or older lawyers will come and they want to bully you because they know they obviously they know you're young. Ah, in fact, speaking of that, because honestly, this issue of seats in courts, and this is why we need bigger courts, and this is why, please, I need to finish building the federal court. I remember when I was at the high court, and there were externs in the court, and two externs were seated at the back row, right? They were allowed to sit. They were seated at the back row. And the court was full, so there were some lawyers standing, etc. And then one older lawyer, even when I didn't say older, I couldn't be more than in his 40s, comes in and tells the externs to get up, because he said, why are they sitting and lawyers are standing? And there were other lawyers. I mean, I was standing as a lawyer. So it's not like I don't have eyes as well. It's like they, have, they should get up, that there are lawyers standing that when they have not got, gotten to the, to the bar yet. And that's how those two young girls had to get up. And we're all looking at him like, what kind of abaya is this? Like, it, it was totally unnecessary. They, they, they actually need to be in court at that time. They want to learn. They're in court to learn from lawyers. Really, if you want to get to court on time and, and get a seat, go to court early. Don't be, be like be like a lamb that gets don't, there don't at 8.30. Don't, don't be going to court and you now start telling people to stand up for you. But something that I wanted to just say again on this issue of, you know, the peculiarities of judges as well. Yeah. And Olamide and I tend to stray away from topical issues, you know, just for the safe, our own personal safety. You know, we are still new to this profession. We are still building our clout. But I think that when we talk about, you know, um, judges and eccentricities and everything. There's this um, particular saying that my dad has been repeating as long as I know. He, he likes to tell me that it's from the realist school of thought. I've not done my research. so. But it says something along the lines of what judges do in fact and nothing more pretentious is what is meant by law. And I think that really came to mind for me with this recent um, overturning of Roe v. Wade. Because I think that no matter which way you would lean, and I recognize that I live in a very conservative country, but you can definitely acknowledge that with a different um, combination of judges on the bench in the Supreme Court, the decision would have been very different. And I think my dad was even telling me to do a joke, and he was saying, imagine a magistrate, and they're going to court, and their car breaks down, versus the magistrate that on his way to court, they tell him his daughter just had twins. The way they are going to interact in that court and the kind of rulings <laughs> they will give and the way they will talk to their lawyers will be very, very different. So what am I saying in all of that? You know, guys, judges are people too. But all of that long, long story being said and going right into this uh, Road for Esquire episode or rather law school tips and tricks, the ways in which we survived, I'm going to turn to Olamide and say, you know, how was your law school experience? Like, just a general overview, understanding, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty. So, truthfully, my law school experience was, I, I, I wouldn't call it life-changing, but, hmm. it, no, it changed, it changed a lot of things for me. So, leaving uni and going into law school, I was already getting to that stage where I'm, like, I already know that, after this time, there's, you know, there's this shield being in school gives you that you're shielded from reality and you, you're not really so into what is happening. But at that point in time, I'm like, okay, it's just one more year before you go into the world yourself. So you need to take this seriously and actually ensure that you get it right this time. So that, that was one of the things that law school did for me at that time. And that's what shaped my experience. 
I had a good experience in law school. I'm not going to lie. I I enjoyed the process of being in law school, although it was extremely tedious. Sometimes it was frustrating, but and shout out to my roommates in law school. It was the most amazing roommate anyone would have asked for at that point in time. So law school was generally good to me, and, and I met quite a number of friends in uh, law school. So yeah, law school was good to me. Fair. How about your own experience? So I think before I answer that, I would just say that for clarification, allow me to you know, tell the people, where did you go to uni and what law school did you go to? Okay, I, I attended the University of Lagos and I went to law school, Abuja campus. Uni lag boy, why did you run away from Lagos campus? <laughs> now, nah, outside of Lagos. Interestingly, I went to the University of Lagos staff school. I went to International School University of Lagos and I went to University of Lagos, so I was tired of Lagos. I fell Kuta boy in love with Lagos. So I went to um, I went to university in England and I had also done so before I went to law school and I think it's necessary to like kind of lay it out to kind of give an understanding of where I was coming from. Before I went to law school, I had done uni, I did that in England in University of Exeter. Then I'd done my master's at UCL. And then I'd actually already done um, law school, to put it like that, in England, the legal practitioners course that the LPC, that Lolade had spoken to us about um, during the last episode. So it was with all of that that, you know, I entered into law school. And it was actually very interesting choosing to go to law school at that point, because at that point I was maybe like three years out of uni. And I remember that when I was leaving uni and I was deciding what I was going to do next because I knew I wanted to do my master's. My parents, who are both lawyers and some of my mentors, had advised I actually go to law school straight because of, you know, that issue of seniority at the bar. Because if, if I go later, so instead of going in, let's say 2017, I went in 2019, they didn't want me to lose that seniority. But me, I was like, forget seniority. I'm going to do what I want to do. So anyway, with all of that, plenty, plenty school, I went into law school and... I mean, it, there was, I mean, definitely a culture shock in a way. Like, it obviously, it was nothing like the, kind, the way my uni operated and definitely nothing like how the LPC operates. For the LPC, it's like a lot smaller classes. Yeah, in classes of maybe, can't be more than 20. But obviously, at the end of the day, I'm in Nigeria. And I have friends and I have family who went to school in Nigeria. So I already understood the Nigerian factor and what school was probably going to be like. I think what was probably the most jarring for me was just at that time I was reacclimatizing to being back to Nigeria. So it was more just the not necessarily having friends and not necessarily having anywhere to go or anything to do because like Olamide that stayed in campus, I, I commuted from home. Although when I w did bar one, I stayed in student accommodation in Abuja. So yes, I also got that. Buari Abuja experience for three months, but me, I knew I wanted to be home. Also, again, by the point I went to law school, I wasn't fresh out of uni, so I, di I, st I didn't still have that uni mentality of, oh, I want to socialize. I had the mentality of, I just want to get through school. I want to go to class, go home, sleep, read, rinse, and repeat. So I had no interest of staying on campus if I could get away with it. But how was my actual law school experience? I mean, there are some things that lecturers would do or say, and you're like, are you not my teacher? And obviously, there are some certain things that you're like, this is absurd. Maybe certain expectations that you're like, ah, me at my big 23. You're trying to hold me like this. But all in all, it was what it was. Again, yeah. we'll get into more detail, but I think that's how we'll sum it up. Yeah, it was yeah, what yeah. it was. You know, so talking about culture shock, for those of us who went to Unilag, we were not, I um, mean, like, they used to enforce the black and white 
um, dress code really strictly. So we were loose in the way we used to dress. Going to law school was a serious culture shock. The girls, even the guys, because usually I wear sneakers to class. I'm wearing a, um, a black, a white shirt, um, black pants, but I would still wear sneakers to class. Like So you could just spice it up a bit, you know, Lagos, Lagos way. You got spicy, to, spicy. <laughs> you go to law school and you had to wear shoes every every day. You had to wear a tie every day. It was, it was you know, um, interesting. I think talking about that issue of dressing, right, so... Again, when I went to uni in England, they are not enforcing any dress code. People are going to classes in like hoodies and shorts and slippers. So I had to buy a whole new wardrobe for law school, which to be fair, I'm very grateful for because I'm still wearing those clothes to court to today. And so what are the things that make up your law school experience, right? Like those key points that Olamde and I had said we were going to discuss. Obviously, there's the dressing, there's attendance. I can't count how many times I had to run from where I was. My <laughs> friends texted me that they have brought a thumbprint machine. Maybe I decided I want to go and do a, a quick lunch. They're like, ah, they brought thumbprint machine. You now have to see how you're going to sneak into class. And again, my Lagos campus people, without dropping names, you know those lecturers that were waiting for you at the door, waiting for you to try and sneak into class. So sneaking into class to thumbprints was not easy. You know, so I, in Abuja, it wasn't like that. What we used to do in Abuja is you come in the morning, you sign in. But once it's, I think classes used to start by nine. So once it's nine o'clock like this, they take they take the attendance away so you won't find the attendance to sign and after class they're bringing in new like new attendance sheets so there's like the opening attendance and the closing attendance so that was an important part i know a lot of people didn't know that they were taking they were going to take their attendance seriously so at the end of like the entire session i think law school is a 20 week long um session at the end of the 28th week, when we're in the revision week, they started releasing names of people who didn't have complete attendance. Yeah, same for Lagos campus as well. In fact, they actually released all our percentages of attendance. Oh, they actually wow. put, pasted that on a, on a notice board outside, and you could see your percentage of attendance. But again, you know Nigerian factor. I don't know how it was with the sheets, but there were certain people that were thumbprinting after. Were there people that were writing their names on the sheets after they had taken it? You know, it was pretty I, strict. To be honest, I was I was a very good student in law school. I never got to class late. Esquire. And I used to leave class when like everyone was leaving. So if you were doing anything afterwards, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Lambda is not involved in illicit um, illicit nah. ventures. It was it was wake up, maybe study a bit, have my bath, dress up, go to class. Um, go for group meetings, lunch, then come back, study a bit, dinner, then study a bit, then sleep, wake up. That was rinse and repeat. That was essentially my 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 best friend at that point in time was my roommate because we had the same lifestyle. We used to do everything on like we basically used to do everything together when we were in law school. So going on then to the issue of friends and friendships, right? Like I had said when I moved back. I didn't know anyone. In fact, all the people I had gone to secondary school with, because I went to secondary school in Nigeria, they had gone to our brother, and they had decided they weren't coming back. So I was almost starting from scratch. I just had my cousins that were my own age. So law school was really where I made a few friends. Like, obviously, I made friends in law school with the people around me, but the friends I still have to date, so almost three years plus after law school, I got from law school. And one of my closest friends was somebody that I met that she was in my group, and she lived um, on campus so sometimes I'll tell her oh come and sleep over at my house and we would study 
And after results came out, and we're definitely going to still talk about results experience, but we both did, you know, quite well, I would say. My mom was just like, ah, thank God you people did well. Otherwise, I'd have been asking what you girls were doing with all of your time instead of reading. But Lamde, what about you? Like, you had already said, you know, that your friends, you know, got you through law school. Yeah. So, thing is, most of my friends are not lawyers or they didn't study law. And um, quite a number of my friends uh, were like in the year above me. So I had to like make new friends and people that I was really familiar with in uni that were my friends in uni decided to stay in Lagos, but I wanted to go to Abuja. I still had a few other friends, but um, I made quite a number of friends, but I just had two very close friends in law school. That was my roommate and someone who was essentially my flatmate, same school, but we basically used to do everything together. Just like you first said, there were no sleepovers because we were living in the same room. Yeah, sleepovers, sleepovers <laughs> in the room. But yeah, we, we essentially did. And for some reason, we were, group, we were in the same group. So group assignments, everything used to align. Yeah, one of my other closest friends from school, she was also in my group. And I think as well, obviously, my experience was a little bit different because I wasn't coming straight from uni. So the people I knew, even the ones that had done bar one, that come straight from uni, they were a tight-knit group. They used to roll together. So honestly, law school... Friends are very important to get you through, even if it's for people to tell you when they are doing attendance or people to honestly, study with you friends, or, you know, do the needful. Honestly, you need friends to take you through school. But good friends. Sorry, uh, not people that are dragging into illicit uh, activities. No, but just the thing is, you have a mind. I, I, I want to assume that you have a mindset to already do well in law school. So you should also surround yourself with people who have that same mindset. Don't, you, you know that this person is on a different wavelength from you. This person has said, guy, I'm not doing law school. I'm not practicing law. It's my parents that are forcing me to come here. So I'm just going to do it as I want to do it. I'm not here to pass. When, once someone tells you that, and that's the person you're relying on every time, you can trust that you... Trust probably, and believe like that you can, failure is knocking at the door. Not even necessarily failure. You're not going to get the best out of the entire uh, process. Because that person already has made up their mind that law school is not for for them so you joining them in that no it's not it's not going to be so good for you but i mean speaking about friends what was your social life like again you know me i already told you man was i'm just going, z. getting through it z ah, but i thought that you boary people that's why you want to come to lagos you like your little party town the, the thing is lovitos <laughs> oh that's where i stayed during bar one actually uh, yeah lovitos i i just went to lovitos i think twice the time we were coming back to Lagos for externship and the time we finished uh, by exams. So those were the only two times I, I, I left. I was in the SRC, but to be honest, hmm. I did not used to go for their meetings. Maybe I go one day, I fight with two or three people. Not fight like that, I mean, physical fight. We just have an argument and I'm like, okay, I don't think I want to be here. Then I go. I actually ran for SRC. I didn't get it, but <laughs> that's because of some behind the scenes... Uh, political issues and also i just didn't have to change that i'm not a politician but that's a story for another day but i mean the core of law school how were the lectures for you like your lecturers and your lectures how did you find okay that? so i think i'll start from the lectures um point of view those overview classes the absolute best and if you don't want to go for any if you want to don't, if you go, want to don't go to any class the overview classes honestly were the absolute best 
if if you've missed the overview classes, I would say that you've done yourself some sort of disservice. Only some. Some sort of disservice. You, Plenty you might disservice. if you're if you're a very intelligent person. If you're not like me, you you probably <laughs> will be able to catch up. But that th- those overview classes, ah, God, which they are golden. If you take nothing else away from this episode, nothing else. You just block your ear. You don't hear us. Go to your overview classes, your revision classes. And any um, if I don't, I can't even remember. I told online before we started that. How much do I even remember from those? I blacked it out. But any mock exams, any practice exams, those are the most important things. And if anything, anything your lecturer says, that's what you hold on to. Not the one that they are writing in textbook that is different from what your lecturer said. What your lecturer said, and I think this goes for uni as well. Your the the words from the mouth of your lecturers are golden. Yeah, because. And I'll just give you the simple rationale behind it. The textbook might be right. The lecturer might not be right. And I won't say the lecturer is wrong. Different interpretations. Yeah, of different law. interpretations. But who is going to mark your script eventually? Not the textbook. Not the textbook. Or the person Unless the textbook is by your lecturer, in which case, buy that book. Even if it's by your lecturer, if the lecturer comes to class to say something else, just take it. That's the law school position. You know, there's, there was something we used to call law school position. Yeah, so how it operates in practice might be different. But once they give you a law school position, that law yes. school position is what you should follow. And I can just explain uh, why. Having practiced for some time, lawyers tend to have different interpretations of how things should be done. These interpretations might not be wrong necessarily, but so as to have some form of uniformity, law school adopts one position. It might that position might not look right to you, but it's that position that has been adopted for the purpose of uniformity, so that everybody is on the same page. And when you go out, you can now decide: okay, do I want to do my things this way, or do I want to do my things the other way? But follow the law school position every single time. I mean, and being in a big class, like a class of like a thousand or so, is kind of a bit jarring. At least it was for me. Again, coming from smaller classes of three hundred. And then in my master's and LPC from classes of like 20 or 30. But one thing I'll say, and this might actually sound like an unpopular position, and maybe it's because I kind of blacked out law school. But I actually don't have anything bad to say about my lecturers. I mean, were all of them like fuzzy, hand-holding people? No. And for some of the lecturers, like maybe it was their out-of-lecture out of behaviors that people didn't like like maybe people that will be chasing you when you don't when you're <laughs> trying to sneak in to thumbprint or lecturers that will be asking you questions knowing that you don't know the answer picking people out and again you could argue you know are those actually bad things because you should be in class and you should know the answer and by putting you on the spot they're trying to make sure that you learn and we also had lecturers again without naming names that we genuinely felt that they were really invested and really wanted us to learn but I actually don't have, again, I can't, I know that university experiences, when I hear from certain people that went to Nigerian unis, bruh, you people are trying, no. But my lecturers, they tried, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, even us in life, just from working, going from court, or even mere relationships, we can get very jaded and cynical. How much more somebody that has been teaching a thousand people every year for 15 years, 20 years, <laughs> can't expect them to come and be holding your hand and rubbing you and saying, Belediye, kind of thing. Like, it's very, they're trying to give it to you hard and quick. Like, there's no... There's no love lost sort of thing, but I actually my lecturers were okay all around. Another thing was I enjoyed, a solid seven. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the style of lecture uh, or lecturing in law school. It was different from my LLB. So my LLB we had quite 
some lecturers who just give you notes and they want you to replicate the notes the law school process was more or less a seminar-like process you should have read before class so you have background knowledge they clarify this knowledge in class and they teach you certain things you should know then they give you an assignment that you yourself would have to go and look at afterwards i i really like that approach even if some of them were not really hands-on and i wasn't the kind of person to go and uh play lecturer's pet or whatnot but i i enjoyed the interactions in class and like you first said there were some of them that were very enthusiastic when they were teaching and some of them felt like you, you felt know, like they were just trying to get their paycheck honestly yeah so the truth is it's just for you to um yeah this this would even spiral into my next point your mentality the mentality that you take into law school or that you should even have because now i'm sure you're already getting to the terminal end of law school would be and for people who would be coming into law school subsequently will be whatever happened in uni has happened you're moving to a new stage now and it's not only an opportunity if you didn't do well in uni yeah yeah like not doing well in uni i have one of my um closest friends from from law school she got a tutu in uni and then in law school she got a first class changed the trajectory of her career prospects so like if, if you didn't do well in uni just have it at the back of your mind law school is where you can actually make a fresh start and erase everything that happened in uni at the same time if you've done well in uni law school is not where you're going to fail because if you've if you've passed you know as a as a nigerian child there are certain stages that scare you at every point in your life and this was something one of the lecturers in law school made me understand when it was time for common entrance everybody was scared i would i pass common entrance and then you know you would want to write common entrance in primary five so you go from primary five to like secondary school so not passing common entrance would mean that you do primary six everybody wanted to pass common entrance you pass common entrance after passing common entrance in primary five or primary six as the case may be the next stage is you want to pass YEC and jump jump would have done it soon eventually you pass you get to uni okay let me even finish this llb this llb wants to take my life you do you do the llb you pass now you're in law school and law school is more or less a postgraduate class so if you've gone through all of that and you've You've been able to scale through it's not now at law school that you'd be doing you'll be doing terribly so i i'll just say that ensure that your mentality is that positive one no matter how and i would say the truth law school was tedious it was i won't call it i won't say it was hard but it was also difficult to get by i would say it was hard but i think what's actually really interesting is and obviously when olamde and i record it's pretty organic like we don't run through the whole thing so i didn't actually know we were going to have such a pro or positive law school um tilt and i think that the general opinion general standard is for everyone to be like oh yeah law school was trash and i don't know if this is that kind of hindsight of when you kind of separate yourself away from it a bit or when you actually try and break down and analyze okay what was trash i mean yes people in hostel not having water and not having lights very trash. Nah, terrible. And Although in Abuja we had slightly live the conditions in Abuja were a bit better. No, I'm I'm sure they were. I mean Lagos campus, you know, they just uh, hoard everyone like um, cows in a herd. They even had executive uh, hostelo. But and again, obviously, your lecturer again chasing you because you do not because they are trying to sneak into thumbprint can probably leave a negative impression in your mind. But at the end of the day, when we try and break it down. Was it really that bad? And if you guys are actually saying, if I'm there, you're lying because you're being recorded for posterity. 
please let us know. But I think one thing that I would ask Olamide, which I think is a really key thing of this whole law school, the tips and tricks, route to Esquire and everything is about studying and exams. So how did you study, right? Like what was your study technique, your study habits? Okay, so let me start with the habits. When I was in uni, I already built the habit of reading. Like I think I was not one of those people that used to read close to exams. Why are you calling my name? No, I, if I, I didn't even know, I didn't even know. We didn't go to the same uni now, but I I didn't used to read like before exams, and that was because I I have a very short attention span. So unlike people who would be able to read for five six hours at a stretch, or sometimes some people I I used to hear that people would read for ten twelve hours. And I'm like, ah, Omar, that's not me. I, I needed to, like, take my time to read. So I used to read at the beginning of the semester. I just take it as each class comes. So that was how it was for me. And that was the same thing that happened in law school. When we get a task, I do the task. When we get to class, I take my notes. When I come back, I form my notes and I go through past questions. So that was how it was for me. Then my weekends was to just finish up on what I didn't finish that week then go through past questions have like random discussions with my friends my classmates or my my roommates particularly because he would just ask a question i'd answer i'd ask him a question he would answer so that was how it was for me studying in law school so like the study habit was there then the study pattern somebody had told me before i resumed law school and this was a senior person law school is not where you change your reading pattern so because you see somebody is reading 12 hours and you you know you can only read two hours at a time don't go and start reading 12 hours i i had um personal experience of someone who started hallucinating at some point so don't and this was in the middle of the night Maru. so don't don't put yourself under that type of pressure you need you, you need to be healthy not only physically but also mentally, because if your if your mental health health is trash, well, not like your mental law school would not affect your mental health health to an extent. But if your mental health is trash, you basically would fall sick during exams. So, like, just ensure that you don't put yourself under too much pressure when studying. If you do that for yourself, I, I'm sure that you'll be fine. I think the thing Olamide said about knowing your reading patterns is very important, right? And it, you should know yourself at that point, especially if you've been if you've gone through what five years of university, if you're you know coming from Nigeria or three years if you're going abroad, but even then you've gone through secondary school, you've gone through primary school, you know yourself, you know your reading habits. Now's not the time to change up. But what I would say is, in knowing yourself, you have to know the way you work best and the best way to curb your excesses. So I think it's very interesting and good that Lamde and I have different opinions so we can, you know, juxtaposition in a different way. Because for me, I'm one of those procrastinators. I'm one of those last-minute readers. I'm pressing that maybe it's one month before exam that I'm cracking open a book for the first time. And I would say that that method had actually been working for me my entire life. Like, I'd been doing very well. My parents might argue that if I wasn't procrastinating, I'd be doing excellently. But that's a different issue. I don't know if it was necessarily because during my LPC, which was the last school I did before law school, that method did not work for me at all. I actually chopped small academic breakfast, but that's a different story for another day. Or maybe it was just me coming to Nigeria and being like, okay, I know that in Nigeria, the way in which they teach and what they expect is very different. Like It's almost like memorization and regurgitation, which was something that I actually had to unlearn when I first went to school in England. 
But for me, so knowing, okay, I'm a procrastinator and I'm sometimes not very great at internal motivation, but what I am good at is external motivation. So when I have accountability and people I'm accountable to. So I knew it was very important for me to, one, have study partners, study friends. And also, I don't know how controversial this one is, but I'm one of those people that had lesson teacher. Oh, don't hate me. Don't judge me, guys. And why did I do that? Well, I would again liken it to the metaphor of like, if I know I really want to get back into going to the gym, I would get a personal trainer because I know that there's somebody first of all that I spent money on and who is expecting me for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday every week. And who, if I don't show up, I have to explain why I'm not showing up. And I have to now start thinking, oh God, if I don't want to go now, I have to be explaining to Mr. So-and-so. So I knew that, okay, even if I don't trust myself to read every day, because of this person, I am going to be gaining or some knowledge will be entering my head every single day because I'm going to see Mr. So-and-so three times a week or four times a week. So that was actually why, for me, that was very important because I knew that I needed external motivating factors. I needed external pull factors. And that was also why that uh, sleepover thing with my friend actually came from because I was like, hey, I want someone... Because obviously I was in my house, so I wasn't around people. I was a student, so I was like, I want someone that I'm looking at and we're studying together. And also, I'm one of those people that, that um, sidebar, one of the people that reads with uh, music and reads with Netflix, which my mother thinks is wild. But yeah, so that was how studying worked for me, like study bodies and just accountability. But then studying aside, and after you study, and then it's time for results. Bar finals. No, but no, okay, no, sorry, no, it's time no, for bar finals. Go to the bar finals. Okay, what now. does the have to comment on about the actual bar final period? Actually, I will say something when you're done. Yeah, the bar finals period, honestly, that is probably the most tensed period in your life. But let me tell you the truth. The moment you write the first exam, all the tension drops. Every single bit of tension in your nerves will drop. Someone, uh, I think it was uh, one of our lecturers in Abuja campus, uh, 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 Mrs. Shua, she used to say that the bar finals exam was easier than preparing for the bar finals exam. So writing the exam itself is, is, is a lot easier than preparing for the exams itself. But one key thing I, I, I think I noted was the fact that don't let a bad exam affect the way you prepare for the other exams. I would absolutely want to chime in there because, again, my friend who I had mentioned who got first in law school, we had one of our exams. I think it was professional ethics. She might listen to this and correct me. And after I was done, and what happened to her was, that thing that happens with people sometimes, I've never actually understood it because I've been lucky enough that it hasn't happened to me, where you don't flip the page and you don't realize that there's questions on the other side. So she finished the exam and realized that, you know, SHIT, she hadn't done some questions she was distraught like she thought that was the end she called her mom c she was crying we even had I think we had corporate after that and her head was just in a really bad place she thought that she was going to fail etc etc and that's all that she got first class so, so really once one exam is finished bruh, that, exa- that exam has finished don't now the thing is you don't know what will happen if the examiners are a bit lenient in that exam or maybe there was a mistake somewhere so like the, the the scores would be good then you now use that bad mood to go and write an exam that ordinarily you would have smashed so once an exam finishes just have it at the back of your mind that exam has finished no matter what they are saying the answer is outside that's not your business just focus on the next exam prepare for the next exam and move ahead that's the number one thing i'll tell anyone who is taking the bar finals you have shit exams 
for me unluckily my own shit exam was the mcqs and that's the first exam so you can imagine flunking your mcqs i'm not like if i'm doing this terribly at the mcqs how exactly would i even do at the um, main exams but you know at the end of the day i had to you know speak to myself and i just re-echoed what the person had told me that don't let it um a terrible exam dictate how you prepare or how you write the other exams and every other exam was fine for me and olamde is here now all things go to the maker but guys one thing i want to say is don't cheat please oh don't cheat i'm not saying for it's no because reason I'm, I'm recording here don't cheat for no reason it is the most unworth it thing ever i remember when i was writing one of my exams same people whispering behind me i was like get deep behind me because i didn't want to be associated for these people whispering beside you and they now think you're part of them guys it's not worth it even if you fail you are failed if you get caught cheating, that is the end of that career prospect. The end of any other career. Probably you go into business, but... Uh. <laughs> so, it's the end. But I think also when we're talking about um, cult, um, or rather writing your bar finals and intermingling that with studying and also wanting to give actual practical tips. When bar finals came about, right? So, when you were in the trenches of bar finals, how did you particularly then shift your studying? So, I'll start first so you understand what I mean. So obviously for months, weeks and months, at this point I've been reading, you know, I've already said the way I used to study. So I've now got to bar, bar finals time. What I mean is at the time where I've written my first exam and all my exams are either spaced by one day or right after the other. I do this thing where I condense broad information into smaller information and then I start just reading that smaller information. So obviously you've made from class, you've made your notes, right? I might make notes from my notes. Also, I'm personally a crammer. So what I would do, I would then even make notes from the notes I've made from the notes. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is those key things you need to learn, those things that it's not really easy to remember them because you might always remember general principles, right? But the specific points are hard. So is it section 28 of Kama or is it section 284 of Kama? So I would make like maybe a few pages where I'm just writing, you know, the key sections, the key laws and trying to memorize that. Now, Olamde, I know, is different, but I'm literally one of those people that two seconds before the exam, I'm still trying to cram. And then the second they say, okay, write, I regurgitate everything I've crammed, and then I start. How do I write papers? Again, a lot of this, guys, I mean, going through uni, I'm sure you guys already know this, but one thing that I always found very important was when I'm writing my exam, I look at how much time I have. Okay, I have two hours, meaning I'm splitting that two hours equally between let me make this easy for myself and say I have four questions. Oh, I'm doing my math is so bad. Two hours, four questions. That means you have 120 minutes. So you can split it into 30 minutes per question. So that's 30 minutes per question. Thank you very much, guys. Don't shame me. So I have 30 minutes per question. Now, this is again under the assumption that every question is an equal mark. If it's not equal, you might shift that math a bit. So I know that, come hell or high water, when I finish question one, once it's 30 Maybe I can even give myself, if that question one is really, as they say, sweeting me, I might give it an extra five minutes. But once we're 35 minutes in, I am dropping that question. I might leave space if I'm like, okay, yeah, I really know this question, but I need to move on. Because the last thing you want is to not even start a question that is worth like 20 marks. And also, the first thing I would usually do actually would be to plan my essays, right? So that would actually take out of the general two hours. So the first thing I do is I plan, you decide, you know, what am I going to do? Sometimes if you don't know what, which one, which question you want to choose, I would choose the one I know I'm definitely not doing. 
So by the time you see five questions, I say do two. I am not sure. You know, okay, hundred percent. I'm not doing question five. Hundred percent. I'm not doing question four. So you now know, okay, between one, two, and three, how do I feel? Once I pick, or if I'm even not sure which one of those three I want to do, I'll do like a mini plan of those three. By the time you actually start sketching out your essay, you realize or sketching out your answer, you realize that actually I don't know anything about this question too. I thought I knew. At this point, obviously, I've taken some of my two hours out. Maybe I've taken ten minutes. So it's now the 110 minutes that I'm going to split into um, two. Oh, well, two. now it's two. So is that 110 I'm going to split into two and then start? It can't be 110 into two now. No, okay. 120 minutes. I took 10 minutes out. I said I was planning for 10 minutes. Uh, then it's not between two questions now. Is it not meant to be between four questions? No, no, I changed it Amongst to two four now. Questions See, we're, we're, we're discussing math now, but you guys get the general gist. So that was how I managed to make actually studying during bar finals work. That's not the point to start reading your textbook or to read your 20-page notes. I beg go. So I, I think for me, what I did, and just um, spinning off what Ife had said, don't, don't make that mistake of not attempting all your questions. One question, if it is 20 marks, no matter how well you write it, you won't get more than 20 marks. Whereas if a question... might not get 20. Let's be honest, get 18. At the most... But there's a question that is 20 marks, and someone will pity you. Or maybe they'll be very lenient when they are marking. Give you five. You wrote they, something. They, uh, yeah, they'll give you five, or they would even give you eight or ten. But at least attempt all your questions. No marks. No, the, you can't say five marks is small. It's not small in the grand scheme of things. It can be different between two, two, and two, one. Exactly. So uh, I will now go into the part where I would say this was how I structured my reading. So, Buffalo now started on Friday with MCQ. Then we had a paper on Saturday. Then Sunday was break. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's how it went. For me, I studied, I read the week before, like before the Friday. I'd read all the topics. I had one day for each course, um, from starting from the previous Saturday. Then, after the um, MCQ, I was reading the course that I had the next day. Then after that, the Sunday when I got back, I read the course I had. I think on the w- on the Tuesday. Then on Sunday, I read the course I had on Monday. Yes, I I agree with the way you're structuring that. Yeah, so like it was in such a way that I was reading for the next exam at the most recent time. Not that I would have read for an exam that is coming up on Thursday, like the previous Thursday. No. Yeah, no, Lambda is completely right, actually. That was something I was going to say, but I didn't want to get my Sundays and my Mondays and my Tuesdays mixed up. But yeah, so that's how we coped with actually writing the bar exams. Now, something that happened before bar exams would also be, obviously, the dinner. Olamde, I know that there's something that you wanted to say, but don't oh, no, forget, no. please tell me about your dinner experience. No, my dinner experience was interesting. I won't, I won't lie. There was this guy. You know, I, I even saw this um, query that they had issued to... Um, a certain student in Lagos for putting the bottle of water in her mouth or his mouth when there was a cup or a glass cup in front of the person. I had someone who actually used his hand to eat at the dinner. And I'm like, guy. Yeah, there was someone beside me that was also struggling with fork and knife. You know, if you're struggling with fork and knife, that's a different thing. For you to now descend into that arena. <laughs> Bruce, I forget it. Forget about it. I know. I'm like, no, guy, now you shouldn't even be doing this. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a joke. Okay, so that's dinner. But then now, finally, results. 
How was that for you? Like, okay. around when, you know, results are coming any day, when you actually saw your results? So the thing is, I've never been the person to be anxious about results, but I was anxious about this one. I'm not going to lie. But before I just go into my results, I just want to mention something. Please, when you're unclear about something, ask your lecturers. The truth is, they might appear not to be approachable. And even if they disgrace you in class when you ask your question, still ask it. You don't even need to ask it. You can go and meet them after class and just say, oh, ma, this is what I've read and this is what I've seen. I'm a little bit confused. Could you just clarify for me? I don't know how the lecturers in Lagos are, but I think the lecturers in Abuja were very calm, so they would explain. Then, um, to the results, yes. I saw my results when I was in NYC camp. It, it was it was mm-hmm. the it was the ghetto. I, I think my result the results were released. I think two a.m. Yes, I was actually going to say two a.m. So good that I yeah, I remember it was two a.m. And people had sent me their results, and I'm like, hey God, hey God. They had sent it to you. No, like they had sent they, like they their screenshot. They had checked their own, so they screenshotted theirs and sent guys, it. stop that behavior, please. I don't need to see at your results at two a.m. If we are guys like that, at least wait until like nine a.m. or noon. So like. Some people had sent their results to me. I'm like, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God. So I checked my result and I did well. So there was, as well guy, as you were there was this guy too that was from my campus but was also in Lagos. So he wanted to check his result. Then he came and it's like, oh, his phone isn't working. That can I can I check his result on my own phone? So I opened it for him and unluckily he wasn't doing so well. I felt so awkward at that point in time like guys i'm really trying hard not to laugh so i don't I, sound like a witch no but like i felt really bad for the guy he didn't fail but you could see the disappointment in his face and that's another thing please don't don't sink yourself when you don't do as well as you would have expected it's it, not the end of the world guys 5 10 15 years from that day it's not even gonna yeah, matter it might, not, it might not matter but at the same time i would also say that now is the time to start applying to firms for NYSE positions. Okay, yeah. So for me, my own experience with results was before results came out, me, I was doing vacation, so my mind was in the cloud. If it's a big woman, or if I, oh, it's summer vac- eh? vacation, if it doesn't miss summer. Please, oh, guys, I'm looking for my helper. Don't let, let me deal with you. But so, but I remember when it was time for the um, results, I was in my house. So obviously, you know, you won't really sleep, or you're sleeping on and off, you're checking text messages. <laughs> so I remember when they said results had dropped. See, my heart was inside my bumper. Like, my whole body, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it, like your whole body is just cold, but you're shaking at the same time. Yes, my God. And I was on that very uncomfortable bed in NYSE camp. <laughs> and I think the worst part for me, right, was I have this, there's this thing I see sometimes where once you, before you look at something, it can be anything. But the second you look at it, that's it. You can't refresh you it. Change, <laughs> it's, not, it's not changing. You know, it's like know. looking at where they post you for NYC. Once you look at it, it's not changing you know, when you refresh. You know, there's this joke I saw that this guy, like, you know, all these tweets now, the memes. The guy the guy was like, ah, why you they refresh your result page? You know, be live scores now. You know, exactly. I was trying to remember that joke, actually. I saw this a few days ago. So, yeah. So, for me, I was trying to build up the courage to look at it. Because I knew that once I looked at it, that was it. Yeah. Guys, this is a bit terrible, but I promise you, I was going to sit on the toilet. And that was when I was just like, do you know what? I'm just going to look. Like, I promise you. So I opened it. And then I just used, like, the side of the side of the side of my eye to look at it. Because my logic was, if I look at it that way, and I see something that doesn't look good, I can just close it and go back to sleep. And it can be anything. Because I can just tell myself, oh, it's because I didn't look properly. Anyway, I used the side and the side and the side of my eye. I saw it. I was very okay with what happened. All tens go to God. All tens go to Allah. 
So I messaged my parents and I was just like, oh, you know, results are out. I think I probably messaged them once I got. I didn't call them. That's how 4 a.m. Guys, I just said, that was my parents at my door at 4 a.m. They were even telling me, ah, you didn't call us. So my results, they started kneeling down. We started doing praise and worship at 4 a.m. But yes, guys, that was... No, no, law school, law school can actually... Law school, law school brought me closer to God. <laughs> <laughs> guys, prayer prayer but ah. i think also what i want to ask about the reason i'm asking about this because i had a, v- a very funny story actually how was call to bar for you now i'm going to start because i just need to explain what happened to me for call to bar first of all i booked my own photo shoot after i got called because i'd heard that thing about how if you take the picture before you get called because technically you're not supposed to wear we can gown because you have not been called and me i always say this i don't have anointing for bad things so I'm like it's me do not want to use as example so i booked mine for after i was called and I'll never forget this. So, guys, I thought I was a cute big girl, as Olamide said. And I wore a wig to call to bar, like, like a <laughs> wig. Like, you know, not like wig, like 20 inches, although it was, it was a bob. So, obviously, I had cornrows under that. I got to call to bar at, at a decent time. I won't say I was, like, super early, but I wasn't late either. You know, there was to be, like, traffic going to Buari and everything. So, I get there. If I had to guess, maybe, maybe 30 minutes before it's supposed to start. Could have been shorter than that. That's how I want to enter now. And they stopped me. And they say, I cannot enter because I'm wearing a wig and supposed to be natural hair. Now, maybe I'm the Udo that in here. But one thing I would also say about law school, one of the issues is lack of communication. They don't communicate things. They don't communicate policies. You'll be hearing from one person that, oh, this is how they'll mark. You hear from another person, oh, this is how they'll mark. You won't know when this is happening. You won't know when that's happening. Everything is just Chinese whispers. So I don't know how I'm the one that didn't hear that, right? That's how I started to panic. Like, again, all I'm doing with test, I'm not very good with when things go awry. Like, I'm not good under pressure. You know when you're putting your CV, good under pressure? Mm. No, the only thing I'm good under pressure is actually studying. I study well under pressure. And I actually do work well under pressure. Like, when it's like no, the last minute. No, the podcast. If something is going wrong while we are recording. I'm always giving all I'm listening, guy. All the and time, guys. And it's not me now. All the time. And so, I just started panicking. I was like, mommy, what do I do? What do I do? My mom was so irritated, not with me not knowing, but with the way I was acting, because she was trying to tell me, let's deal with this thing. And I was like, how do we deal with this? What's going on? Maybe it was, maybe it was like 15 minutes before. Exactly, actually, I could have just done that. But again, trying to maintain beauty. That's how me and my mommy started re- taking out my cornrows in the car. So we you know, headed to where our car was parked. My dad even ran into one of his colleagues. And just as in the car, that's how we started taking out my cornrows. Like, quick, 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 quick. And that was how I obviously was called to bar with Tengo. Because again, if you miss that your date, that's it. So you're not called. And that's how I did my photo shoot. So I started to now, because I didn't find anyone to corner my hair after. So I just packed my hair, wore my wig on top of my hair. So see, my wig was very high. Wore that wig on top of that. That was my call to bar. Alamde, how was you? Was anything noteworthy or funny? No, my, my call to bar was fine. I'd already I'd spoken to everyone I could speak to. And they told me, okay, this is how you, you dress for you know normally you want to wear the barrister's jacket and everything look off and then like nah you're wearing a normal jacket don't be like if guys so keep it safe yeah you know i'll just say i, I really wish everyone who is going through law school the best and um particularly my friends in law school the extends at our firm you know yourselves yes guys i hope you listen to this episode i hope you like it and for those in lagos maybe one of these days i would pay you a visit I don't know if you felt. Alamri, we don't want you. Uh, are you in law school? We don't want mm. you in the Lagos campus. Thank you. Lagos, Lagos boy. I better tell Lagos boy that's running away from Lagos campus. All right. So this brings us to the end of today's episode. 
please and there's one thing that has been happening edge please you people should go and listen to the podcast like listen comment on our um, pictures our videos on instagram on twitter at least try to help us increase the engagement on our posts but yeah guys you know at the end of the day we're doing this because because we love the law can i say that if I- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah guys from us to you to our law stu- school students good luck with exams to our uni students that are waiting to go to law school Wish good you luck for everyone that is waiting for school to resume our hearts go out with to you guys honestly yeah really really all right bye guys bye guys from us as always from the bar